Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Let's pray as we open our Bibles together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the incredible privilege it is to open your word this morning. God, we don't, we don't approach your word lightly. We don't approach it, Lord, just kind of casually. God, we understand that you are speaking to us. We understand, God, that you are, you are desiring to transform us and change us. And God, we, we pray that you would prepare our hearts for your word. And God, that we would see the glory and the majesty of all that you are this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, that you've invited us to to gather around your word together. In your name we pray. Amen. If you want to turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to revisit a couple of verses this morning that we talked about in brief last week. I want to encourage you, if, whether you've got your Bible here, whether you've got your phone, it doesn't matter. It's important that we get into God's word together. So if you don't have a Bible in front of you and you've got your phone on you, there's some really good Bible apps out there that I just encourage you to uh, consider. It's a good way to get into God's Word wherever you're at. So um, turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're starting in verse 19. In 1722, Count Zinzendorf, right? It's a cool name. Count Zinzendorf opened his estate up to people who were fleeing persecution in Europe for their faith. And as more people began to show up, they built a village. They started meeting and praying and worshiping together. Then, on, then in 1727, on August 13, this group of people called the Moravians experienced what can only be described as a Pentecostal outpouring of the Holy Spirit during a celebration of the Lord's Supper. As one man, Arvid Grandin, explains, he said, he said, their hearts were set on fire with new faith and love towards the Savior and likewise with burning love towards one another, which moved them so far that their own accord, they embraced one another in tears and grew together in a holy union among themselves. So raising again, as it were, out of the ashes, the ancient unity of the Moravian brethren. And so after this, they began a prayer meeting which went on 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the next 100 years. From that point, in 150 years following from that Pentecostal outpouring, they've sent out from this little group of people over 2,000 missionaries over the next 150 years. So here's the account of the first two missionaries out of that movement. Two young Moravians heard of an island in the West Indies where an atheist British owner had 2,000 to 3,000 slaves. And the owner had said, no preacher, no clergyman will ever stay on this island. If he's shipwrecked, we'll keep him in a separate house until he has to leave, but he's never going to talk to any of us about God. I'm through with all that nonsense. 3,000 slaves from the jungles of Africa brought to an island in the, in the Atlantic, there to live and die without hearing of Christ. Two young Moravians heard about it. So here's what they did. They sold themselves to the British planter, and they used the money they received from their sale for passage to go across to the island. As the ship left its pier in the river, 
at Hamburg and were going out into the North Sea carried with the tide. The Moravians had come from, from their, their little town to see these two lads in their early 20s off, never to return again. For this wasn't a four-year term. They had sold themselves into a lifetime of slavery. The families were there weeping, for they knew they would never see them again. And, as, and they wondered why they were going and questioned the wisdom of it. As the gap widened and the housings had been cast off and were being curled up in their pier, the young boy saw the widening gap. One lad with his arm linked through the arm of his fellow, raised his hand and shouted across the gap the last words that were ever heard from them. And they said this, May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. What makes it so hard to understand is why anyone would make themselves a slave who had been free? Why would anyone in their right mind sell themselves into slavery who had been free? It makes no sense whatsoever. Now, as we look over in this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, this is what the Apostle Paul writes. Okay, the Apostle Paul writes this, for, in verse 19, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant, a, a probably a, a just as good translation would say a slave to all, that I might win more of them. It makes no sense why the Apostle Paul, in his freedom, the ability to do, do what he wishes, to go where he wishes, would become a servant to people. Now, he didn't sell himself into slavery, but he limited the freedoms that he had that were rightfully his to eat and drink and go where he wishes and do whatever he wishes. He limited those for the sake of other people. Now, that doesn't make much sense unless we connect it to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to take a moment to pause here and look at what Jesus Christ and his ministry, what it says about the ministry of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2 verse 3 says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Sounds like a servant, right? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself... By taking the form of a what? Of a servant. Being born in likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, let's look at that's the Apostle Paul writing about Jesus. Now, let's look at what Jesus would have to say about his own ministry in his own words. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Jesus says this Even as the Son of Man, describing himself, came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. See, the ministry of Jesus Christ meant that he left the comforts and paradise of heaven and, by, and came here to earth. And by comparison, the, the nicest place on earth is still a dump compared to heaven. He lived a life of poverty. He identified himself with the poor and the needy and the broken cared for their needs, healed their diseases, and then he gave his life for people who hated him. And he never once demanded to be served or cared for, not a single time. So these two guys, as we read about them, who sold themselves into slavery, 
weren't doing something crazy that they had thought up on their own. Like, let's do the most crazy thing we can possibly think of. They're actually continuing on in the very ministry of Jesus Christ that he had only laid forth before them earlier. They're following in what Jesus Christ had done first. See, the gospel, it transforms us. It doesn't leave us as we are. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, completely and utterly transforms us. Continuing on, actually, let's turn, turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says this, in verse 14, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. It's, it's, it's madness to think, why would anyone ever limit themselves? We've got freedoms. Why would we ever give those up or lay those down? It doesn't make sense. He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as so to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. See, this is what the gospel of Jesus Christ does. It transforms our thoughts and our desires and our inclinations. Transforms the way we, we live our lives. It's an amazing transformation that we experience in Jesus Christ. When we've put our faith and trust upon him, it says there is a new birth. There's a new beginning, a, a transformation. In the deepest parts of us are transformed and changed to be more like Jesus Christ. So much so that when it comes down to laying down our rights for the sake of other people, it's not a huge to- chore or task. It's something that God's given us the strength and the power to do because we've been transformed to be more like Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's what Jesus Christ has done in us. There has been a complete and utter change of who we are. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. We're not the same. We've been transformed. We've been changed. That's the only way we can, we can explain when we see these two Moravian guys sell themselves into slavery to reach the slaves on this island. We think, man, that is nothing of our own inclinations or desires to do. That is purely and utterly a work of God. Let's continue on in verse 20, chapter 9. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, as though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak, I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. It says, to the Jew I became a Jew, to those under the law as those under the law, to those outside the law as one outside the law, but being under the law of Christ, not meaning I'm free to do whatever I please. He says, no, I'm still under the law of Christ, but I'm I'm outside the law. It says, all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Now, think about this. If you've ever talked to someone about fixing your computer, okay, 
There's a whole other lingo, terms, stuff that you don't understand, stuff that I don't understand. It's like they're speaking a foreign language, right? So when you hear someone like Brett or Joe or Cameron talking about computer stuff, right, you want to exit that conversation as fast as possible. You want to extricate yourself from that conversation because, let's be honest, you're just like a, a bystander. It's like you're not participating in that conversation anymore. You might as well, you know, leave. However, what they're connecting over makes perfect sense to them, right? They're all talking the same language. They understand what they're saying. They've got the same, you know, th- it makes perfect sense to them. They're talking about the things that we've broken, that we can't fix, right? They're, they're the ones who have to go and fix it after us. So they get it. What Paul says and likewise, he says, look, to the Jew, I became kosher. To the Gentile, I became one who's not kosher. I was able to somehow, in, in the way that God has created me, and in, in my love and my desire to serve people and, 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 and connect with people and, and serve people and love people, I became one who could talk their language. I became one who was interested in what they're interested in. I became one who would quickly lay my, my, my rights down for the sake of other people in a way that was meaningful to them. So in that conversation, Paul could say, look, man, I've done some studying because I love Joe and Cameron and Brett and these guys are talking about computer stuff and I don't know much about computer stuff, but I've learned some things so that as they're discussing these things, I could jump in this conversation and join them and understand what they're saying and somehow connect with them. And he's not being false or hypocritical in any of this. It's because he genuinely loves and cares for the people who are around him. It's not a lack of love that he would do these things. It's precisely because he loves the people around him that he would do these things. Lay his rights down. He'd learn how they live and understand what what makes them tick. Understand the things that they're, they're being challenged with in their lives and want to be able to minister and care for them. It happens in big ways and little ways that God's given us opportunity to love and serve the people who are around us. Now, I want to invite just a couple people up um, just to share some of their experiences of loving and caring for the people that are in their lives. So if I could have Joanna and my my mom come up at this point, that'd be great. My mom's going to share about the way she's loved her neighbors where she lives, and Joanne's going to share about some of the things that her and Greg have done caring for their neighbors in their apartment. Okay. There's so much I would like to say. Okay. Um, So I have to say, though, that Flo and Jack and Lisa are right next door to us. John and Sherry Skirtich are three houses down, and Adam and Chrissy are four houses down. We have lived in this neighborhood for about 40 years, and we have prayed, and I just think that that's the first thing. It's like we, we've got to be praying for our neighbors. And um, I, I happen to think of this. Um, I, um, the Republican, oh, I just gave away what I am. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> the uh, precinct lady calls me and said, would you be willing to work in the polls um, in, our, in your district. And I said, yeah, sure. You know, I didn't think too much of it, and I've been doing that for years. But it just struck me this time. I thought, God, that she randomly picked me. How'd she know me? You know, so 
she, um, I'm working at the polls, and I thought, this is so cool because um, there was a house down the street. And I said, I, we've never even, I, I have no idea who lives there. I don't know who they are. Um, so anyway, this woman comes in. She says she lives on 37th Street. I said, no way, I live on 37th Street. And she told me where she lived, and I said, oh, my goodness. You know, she's been living there for eight years, and I never, never met her, but I thought, that's God. And then another woman down the other end of the uh, street, I just keep on praying, God, uh, give me a creative way to reach into her life. And her dad and my dad were actually friends years and years ago. But So I'm praying and praying about that. She comes in, and we had the neatest conversation. I thought, that's God. I thought, these are answers to prayer. But so... Um, Anyway, so we've been praying, the the Christians in the neighborhood, for the whole neighborhood. And um, it's just the most unbelievable neighborhood. And and my thing is is food. I just think that's a common denominator. We all eat and we like food. So, um, like, uh, this past week, you know, the the guy next door, um, he's... We call him Crazy Paul. There was Paul on one side and Crazy Paul on the other, just to distinguish. Don't tell anybody that. <laughs> we, he's, he's a great guy. He gives me all his vegetables. You know, He doesn't like radishes, but I get all his radishes. But anyway, so he, um, I thought, I'll bring him something to eat. He's got cancer now, sadly. But he, um, I thought I, I, I brought her over some chili. You know, I go over there, and I said, here's, you know, you want some chili? And he's like, he points to the chair. Yeah, put it over there, you know. <laughs> and then I walk away. Well, you know, we talk for a while. Enjoy the chili. And it was I'm like, oh, thank you, you know, but I thought, I know he really appreciates that. But, um, and then the people across the street, they, um, they had a baby, this is years ago, and uh, so I made, made a big meal, brought it to them. They said, nobody has ever done this for us before, and I thought, wow, that's God, you know, I mean, you just recognize it moving, but um, I, I have to tell you, though, our, our neighborhood is so unbelievable. We, um, in the wintertime, we're the, we're the matriarch and the patriarch of the neighborhood. We're Mr. and Mrs. H to everybody. So um, I thought we should really buy a snowblower. We don't need to buy a snowblower. Either Jack or Sherry or some, even the guy down the street, well, you know, he goes all the way down the street doing people's lawn, um, shoveling their sidewalk. And uh, so we never have to shovel our sidewalk, our driveway. Somebody's always doing it for us. One year we went on vacation, and we come back, and we had a great big pine tree that had to be cut down. The pine tree was cut down. They cut it down, stacked all the wood along the house. I mean, it's just, I could just go on and on. It's just incredible. So it's not just what we've done, even though we have such a heart for our neighbors. You know, we're always praying for them. But it's, it's the whole neighborhood. It's a neighborhood that's been bathed in prayer for 40 years. And the funniest thing, I just got to tell you. So one year, we're, on va- we're going on vacation. We're leaving in the car, and the phone rings. So it's um, the neighbor down the street, <laughs> and he says, hey, and they know we need, never leave our, door, we leave our doors open because we can't even find the key. <laughs> so in case anybody gets any ideas, we don't have anything of value in our house. <laughs> so anyway, they call, and they say, hey, um, our shower is, um, the drain is clogged up. Do you think we could use your shower? <laughs> we just laugh. So they, the family comes and takes a shower in our, uh, <laughs> our shower. But anyway, God is at work. And I'd say just, um, you know, to say, God, what can I do to um, reach into people's lives? And we all play a part. And so anyway, Okay. <laughs>
So um, Johnny asked me to, to talk about, um, we recently just bought a house in Highland, but for four years we lived in um, Lansing in a condo building. And um, yeah, the, okay, a few years ago, Johnny gave a commission that, um, you know, we don't have a ton of programs here at Mercy Hill. Um, but, and so one of, and because he isn't a while ago, a couple of years ago, um, he really emphasized the importance of doing ministry right where you're at, right in your home, right with your neighbors. Um, we don't need a lot of programs here to bring people to, let's be a church of people who go to the people that were around. And so, um, for a little over four years, I worked from home full time. And, um, so I had a, an advantage that I was around a lot. Um, and I just began praying that God would show me um, how I could reach and love love my neighbors. And um, just like Ruth, the Lord showed me that for me it was food <laughs> um, and how I could reach my neighbors. So across the way I had a widow who lived there. And um, I just would pray, Lord, if whenever you want me to do something, you just tell me. And so I'd be making a meal and all of a sudden I just would feel the prompting of the Lord to bring over a portion of what you have. Just knock on the door. It doesn't matter what time it is. It doesn't matter um, if you think your meal is good, it doesn't matter what you think, just be obedient. And so I would just knock on the door and bring her a serving of food. And, um, I just kept doing that and, and getting to know her a little bit. And we would over a year or so, we began having a lot of conversations in the hallways and she never would really let me in very much. Um, never actually, Oh, she'd always stand in the hallway and talk with me sometimes for, um, sometimes for an hour or so, and then randomly she would start having needs, like she needed internet, um, or she needed this, or or um, sometimes she just needed someone to talk to, and so over the years, I really got to know her and find out some of her really deep struggles that she shared with me, whether, um, you know, she struggled with gambling, and just being able to just listen to her and encourage her and point her to the Lord, and she started going back to church, and she started... Um, reading devotionals and different things. And so it was just cool to see that. I think oftentimes we don't see the fruit. Um, and I was so grateful the Lord would give me little glimpses of the fruit of my, of a relationship with her. And so she ended up, um, being evicted out of her, her condo, which was heartbreaking for me. I'd worked really hard to build that relationship, but I, um, was so grateful that the Lord, I had been obedient because all of a sudden one day she wasn't there and I didn't have any regrets of not reaching out to her enough or she actually began requesting, <laughs> like if she knew I was, she, if you make that, can you bring that over again or different things? So that was one neighbor. Um, yeah, just, um, and then I had another neighbor who was um, a single mom with two boys. And once again, I just kept praying that the Lord would show me how to reach her. And she was somebody. Um, so once again, I just started bringing food over. Even if she wasn't home or boys were home, I'd just say, here, here's what I have, um, whether it was dessert or whatever. And through that, we be- we built a really a cool friendship and um, was able to have them over for dinner a number of times. And But it didn't happen really quickly. It took a number of years of me being just obedient to the Lord and um, not caring what my food. Sometimes I'd be like, oh, this probably doesn't taste very good. Or I don't know what kind of food they like. Do they like spicy food? Is this, you know, do they just, because they wouldn't say anything. I would just bring food over. And then sometimes I wouldn't hear. And I'd be like, so was that good? Or <laughs> like, you know, so I don't know. I just had some neat, um, quite a few relationships like that. And the one, just like Ruth had said, um, when I had first had Archer, she brought over this huge bag. This was the first time she'd ever come in, come to me. She brought over this huge bag gift. And, um, and I was like blown away. And she said, no, you're the only person in the building who welcomed me. I've never, nobody's ever been kind to me that in that way. And so that was eye-opening for me. Once again, the Lord was gracious and gave me a encouragement so I could keep 
doing that. And so over four years, um, I, we moved out, and actually uh, most of my neighbors moved out within the same year that I did. So that was kind of cool to see that um, fruit and just the relationships that were built. And so, I don't know, God, the Lord showed me that right where I was at. Thanks, Joanna. I'm just hoping to just give us some ideas, just thinking about how the Lord can use us. I want to read uh, an email I received this week. Um, this is from a, a, a gentleman by the name of Tim Chen, who is uh, who goes to Bethel Church in Crown Point, but he's also uh, he's helping to connect um, international students with uh, people in the church. He says. I would like to express my deepest gratitude to your kind and diligent help in making the host family big group gathering a successful event. So last Saturday, uh, in the basement here at the church, we had international students along with different families here at this church and from seven other churches uh, come together. So this is outside of, we're, we're trying to work through Purdue Cal as well as uh, work the other avenues that God's given us, the different relationships we have. This is, this is the first year that Mercy Hill and Bethel worked together as a team to reach out to 25 new Chinese students who joined the program this semester. There are 16 families connecting with them, including some of the existing families and their uh, Purdue University Calumet students. Approximately 100 people attended the event last Saturday. We all had a great time in food, fellowship, and sharing. I received such positive feedback from the students afterwards. Now, as a result... I received five more new students signing up to the program that week. God is amazing. Now, in order to make that happen, there's a number of people who had to serve. So Jen, Jen Bovenkirk, Nara, and Terry helped. He says, even though we talked little or did not talk during the event, this is from Tim, you are the Lord's faithful servants in, in the little yet important things. Without your hospitality serving all of us, we could not feel the warm welcome and nice treatment. So, well done, ladies. Thank you so much for doing that. That's a small way. They showed up and served some food. And it completely blessed and transformed the, the gathering that they had downstairs. So much so that after this, the, whatever, 16 students went away, five more wanted to... They, they went back and told the other students who they're friends with about how great it was. Five more wanted to sign up and join the event. Now, that to me is just, that, that shows the way that the love of the Lord and laying down, look, they had every right to Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, they had every right to say, look, this is my Saturday, we've worked hard all week, I want to break, there's other things I've got to do, I've got my own family to take care of, I've got, you know, I've got to go grocery, sh- whatever's going on for them. They decided to lay their, their rights down to a nice, peaceful Saturday morning or afternoon, and they decided to go and serve. And the Lord used that in a tremendous way to bless students. I also just wanted, my mom mentioned briefly Flo Horner, who's here today. Um, is There's little prayer cards sitting in front of the pew. Almost every single week I get a prayer card from Flo saying, would you please pray for these relatives, these neighbors, these friends. And I think... Man, one of the themes that keeps coming up when we talk about reaching people and loving people the way God's called us to, is we can't get around this, this idea, this, this priority of prayer. Prayer changes us, and it changes the circumstances that we're in. It, it does. I, I cannot tell you the, the amount of change that's 
occurred in my own heart. I, got, I have the privilege, and I've told you guys this before, and I'll tell you again. I've got the privilege of praying for this church individually, all the people in this church by name, kids, babies, adults, everyone in between. I have an opportunity, and I've got the time. The Lord's given me the opportunity to, to pray for you individually, by name, every week. And I think that has done more to change my heart when I think about the things that you're struggling with, the things that you're, you're battling, the things that are, are going well in your life. It, it's changed my heart and has given me just a deep affection and appreciation for what God is doing in your life. And I get, to, I get to partner with you in that. When I hear about um, my mom reaching out to her neighbors or Greg and Joanna reaching out to their neighbors or Flo praying for her, you know, asking for prayer and, and Terry and Jen and Nara caring for people here at the church, it, it, it blesses me and it, it encourages me and strengthens me in that. I, I have a little part to play in that. I've been praying for these, these families. I've been praying for these, 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 these people who've, who've been laying their lives down for the sake of other people. And my encouragement to us is this, that as, as the people who God has transformed, that we would take seriously this call to lay our rights down, to serve and love people in that way. And I want to say this, apart from prayer, I don't know if it's possible. It, prayer has got to be front center of this. Because when, when, when the reason we wouldn't necessarily want to do this is because we don't necessarily feel a deep love and affection for the people that we, we're called to serve. I mean, if, 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 I'm not, if I'm sitting here thinking about someone, like, oh, I've got to go serve them, I don't want to serve them, I don't like them, you know, whatever it may be, chances are I'm not going to go. I encourage you, as a church, invest your time in those things. It's following in the footsteps of Jesus. It's the ministry of Jesus. So if it wasn't for Jesus Christ becoming a servant and laying his life down for us, there would be none of us here. As a matter of fact, there wouldn't be anyone in any church anywhere. It's precisely because of Jesus Christ and his service and his laying his life down for us that we have the opportunity and the privilege to do the same in his power, in his strength. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the lamb that was slain. Jesus, thank you that you have invited us into this wonderful adventure. God, that you would use us to carry on your ministry to the people in our lives. God, whether it's neighbors or international students we've we've never met, or it's families who we can serve, Lord, whatever that may be, Jesus, we thank you. God, you've not You've not saved us and put us on the sideline, Lord. You've, you've redeemed us and you've put us in the game. And God, you've empowered us and strengthened us to do so. God, I pray that you would, you would give us a love for the people around us. God, continue to transform and change our hearts. Oh God, help us to, to look outward the way that you've created us to live. And God, by your grace, Lord, we would be your servants, and the servants of the people you put around us. In your name we pray, amen.